lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Oh, what a day this is. Greetings and welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you on a day that is a reckoning. If you were wondering, and we were, if like us, you were wondering why last week the Overton window didn't just get opened. They took it out of the house and threw it in the backyard and ran over it with the lawnmower on the origins of the Wuhan virus. And uh, it was clear they were trying to get ahead of something, that they were coordinated. Everything suddenly just flipped on what you could say on Facebook, what the media was saying, what politicians were saying, what the Biden administration was even saying. If we were wondering who flipped the switch and then why is the more important question. Why now? Why this particular moment, right? We had those conversations last week. We did. If you're wondering why, why last week's massive, shameless retconning on the origins of the Wuhan virus, why it took place. Last night, you got your answer. Because they had to get ahead of the Fauci leaks. That's why. They knew this was coming. FOIA actions don't just take a couple days. It took the Daily Caller uh, a year to get access to 300 pages of emails. This is 3,000 plus emails. No, they, they knew this was coming. And then they knew they had to get out ahead of what was going to be revealed once it came. We have quite the opening to the program in store for you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Look for me, Steve Dace, on MeWe Parlor and Gab too. And then you can get clips of the program at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. On my before I got into the car to drive in to the do the show this morning, I got a text from a buddy of mine who works out of DC and is pretty politically connected, uh, travels uh, the country working for a lot of different conservative causes. And and he was expressing frustration with a lot of his friends. He's still single, uh, but a lot of his friends that are married and have children. Just, they come back and report how controlled their children are. He told me one of the parents that he knows asked this kid, why are you insisting on wearing a mask to school when you don't have to? They don't work. And they got rid of the mandate anyway. And his kid told him because everybody knows at school only racists don't wear masks. And he he said, how did these kids get this controlled? And I said, because the parents permitted it. The parents permitted this to happen. That's why you want to look at your options. Things like our friends over at Freedom Project Academy, um, where they teach your kids how to think, not what to think. Um, They use mastery of subject matter, 
not leftist propaganda as the standard. It's built on Judeo-Christian values and a classical curriculum that stresses critical thinking skills and discernment the way that the generations that founded the country, how they were taught. That's how they teach at Freedom Project Academy. I've seen it firsthand with my own son, Noah, who attended it for several years. I know the people as well responsible for establishing this online school and who run it now. I would highly recommend it, and it doesn't cost you anything to right now get a free information packet about how you can take back control of your kids' education when you visit freedomforschool.com. That's freedomforschool.com. All right, coming up here later in the program, our good friend Daniel Horowitz had to switch to tomorrow. So we're going to do Theology Thursday next on the program. Some of you, and I think it's a good question to ask. By the way, I'm not upset. It's a good challenge. Some of you have questioned me openly calling for the mockery and scorning of the spirit of the age to pull its pants down, to make fun of it. And say, well, wait a minute. Are we permitted to do that? I thought we had to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Don't we always have to be nice? And I thought, instead of giving you my opinion on the matter, because it's Theology Thursday, not Meology Thursday, I said, I thought to myself, you know what, why don't we see what the Word of God actually says about the matter? And that's what we're going to do. Next segment, we're going to open up the book and let it speak for itself. We'll find out what it has to say on whether mockery, scorning, and shaming of uh, the enemy and his minions, whether that's permitted or not. We'll get to that next segment of the program. And then next hour, we will play our weekly game of buy, sell, or hold for the entire hour, and we are looking forward to that. You, though, also need to be looking forward to what is coming next. This will be a longer montage than we typically do, but we put this together, Aaron did, with the intent of trying to catalog as much of the highlights of what came out in this docu-dump of 3,000-plus emails to and from Anthony Fauci last night. We will share this on social media later today. You will want to bookmark this, have it handy, so that you can share this on your pages where you social media and you interact so that you can help get the word out because, of course, this whole thing's being memory-holed right now by much of the mainstream media. Why? Because it's bad. It's bad for their narrative. And you'll find out right now when you watch what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Fauci emails. It seems as America opens up, it's becoming more and more fashionable for those in the mainstream and many in conservative media, to be honest, to start questioning the people you weren't able or allowed to question and start asking the questions you weren't allowed to ask because, frankly, you didn't want to. In Steps BuzzFeed, the same outlet that publishes illustrious pieces of journalism like 15 hedgehogs with things that look like hedgehogs, 11 delightful poems found in Pornhub comments, 10 signs that your cat is a wizard, and what is your inner potato? Yes, that same media company issued and had fulfilled a Freedom of Information Act request for emails from and to one Dr. Anthony Fauci in the early days of the pandemic. The FOIA request resulted in over 3,200 pages of emails from January to June of 2020, and what they contain is vindication for Team Reality, confirming what many had suspected along the way. Many of the emails contain redactions, which will surely cause more demands for answers from the nation's supposed leading expert in infectious diseases. We'll start with this email dated February 1st, 2020 from Dr. Fauci to one of the NIAID's muckety-mucks, Hugh Auschenklaas, ostensibly linked to this study from 2015 in the journal Nature, 
authored in part by Jingli Li Shi, a Chinese researcher known for gain-of-function research, and Ralph Barrick, an American researcher who has also performed gain-of-function research. The title of the paper is called A SARS-like Cluster of Circulating Bat Coronaviruses Shows Potential for Human Emergence. The email from Dr. Fauci reads, quote, Hugh, it is essential that we speak this morning. Keep your cell phone on, read this paper, as well as the email that I will forward to you now. You will have tasks today that must be done. Thanks, Tony. Later in the day, Hugh Altincross emails Fauci, quote, The paper you sent me says the experiments were performed before the gain-of-function pause, but have since been reviewed and approved by NIH. Not sure what that means, since Emily is sure that no coronavirus work has gone through the P3 framework. She will try to determine if we have any distant ties to this work abroad. Fauci responded to the email, quote, Okay, stay tuned. Next up is an email also dated February 1st, 2020. Later yet in the day, this email is from Christian G. Anderson, a researcher at Scripps Research, to Dr. Fauci, and carbon copy to Jeremy Farrar, another researcher from Britain. The email says in part, quote, Some of the features potentially look engineered. Anderson goes on to say, I should mention that after discussions earlier today, Eddie, Bob, Mike, and myself all find the genome of SARS-CoV-2 inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Fauci responds to that email. Thanks, Christian. Talk soon on the call. And then there's this email dated April 19th, 2020 from Peter Daschuk to Dr. Fauci. Daschuk, if you'll recall, is the epidemiologist who controlled an organization called EcoHealth Alliance, which received funding from Fauci's NIAID and promptly turned that funding over to the Chinese for what was likely gain-of-function research. Daschuk, if you'll also recall, was the lone American representative involved in the World Health Organization's probe, if you can even call it that, of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Daschuk has been adamant that there was no lab leak this entire past 15 months, even calling it a conspiracy. Anyway, on to the April 19th email, quote, Tony, as the PI of the RO1 grant publicly targeted by Fox News reporters at the presidential press briefing last night, I just wanted to say a personal thank you on behalf of our staff and collaborators for publicly standing up and stating that the scientific evidence supports natural origin for COVID-19 from bat to human spillover, not a lab release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The next section of the email is redacted. Specifically, it's a B7A redaction, which according to the FBI is, quote, Records or information compiled for law enforcement purposes, but only to the extent that the production of such law enforcement records or information could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings. I'm sure that's not suspect at all. The final line of the email from Dashik states, quote, From my perspective, your comments are brave and coming from your trusted voice will help dispel the myths being spun around the virus's origins. Fauci responds to Dashuk's email, quote, Peter, many thanks for your kind note. Best regards, Tony. On the topic of the masquerade, this email from Fauci is dated February 5th, 2020, replying to one Sylvia Burwell, quote, The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through the material. Another email from March 1st, 2020, from Eric Strauss at ABC News, asks Fauci about a DHS projection of 98 million infections in the U.S. and 500,000 dead. Strauss wants to know if the projection is, quote, outlandish. Fauci responds, quote, that number seems exceptionally high. 
Then on March 2nd, Fauci responds to an email from Wall Street Journal columnist Sumathi Reddy asking for the mortality rate for COVID-19. He responds by saying, quote, For COVID-19, the mortality rate is approximately 2%. For seasonal influenza, it is approximately 0.1%. This would be a good time to remind you that on February 28th, just a few days before this email, Fauci wrote in the New England Journal of Medicine, quote, if one assumes that the number of asymptomatic or minimally symptomatic cases is several times as high as the number of reported cases, the case fatality rate may be considerably less than 1%. This suggests the overall clinical consequences of COVID-19 may ultimately be more akin to those of a severe seasonal influenza, which has a case fatality rate of approximately 0.1%, or a pandemic influenza similar to those in 1957 and 1968, rather than a disease similar to SARS or MERS, which have had case fatality rates of 9 to 10% and 36%, respectively. What changed in the few days between February 28th and March 2nd remains a mystery. We could go on the entire day with emails and commentary like this, but we'll finish with one more dated March 15th, from one Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook. Zuck lays out in detail his admiration for Dr. Fauci, reveals his plans for a coronavirus information hub on Facebook, and asks Fauci if he'd like to be a part of it or a part of a Facebook-hosted expert Q&A. And then at the end of the email contains a redacted section under the category of FOIA exemption B4, which is, quote, trade secrets and commercial or financial information obtained from a person and privileged or confidential. Fauci responds to Zuckerberg in part saying, also, your idea about the redacted is very exciting. Some answers and a lot more questions. And finally, checking in on Joe Biden. Terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. And that's what happened while we were away. There isn't a smoking gun in there. There's 12. Aaron's montage brought to you by Home Title Lock. You know, we've been warning you about home title theft now for uh, a couple of years on the program. This is where cyber thieves remove you from your home's title so they can become the new owner. That's why we've been telling you to Home Title Lock because you never know when there might be a massive data breach that exposes your information. Like maybe if Mark Zuckerberg had been updating uh, the security protocols at Facebook instead of proposing uh, fascist uh, outlays with Anthony Fauci, uh, maybe 500 million people wouldn't have had their personal information exposed by a Facebook data breach recently because that actually happened. That means name, address, other personal information that you use to do business online, identify as you, is now exposed to cyber thieves who can use that. Go to where your home's title is kept online, log in as you, and then forge your signature on a quick claim deed, making it look like you sold your home to them. And then all forms of zany hijinks will ensue from that time forward. Don't let that happen to you. Get 30 free days of protection right now during this high-risk high Zuckerberg breach. Uh, right now at HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Maybe we should have done promo code Zuckerberg. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code radio. Aaron, first and foremost, that was absolutely outstanding. I, I don't believe there will be a better summation, more easily understood and documented of what we've learned so much or so far from last night's docu-dump than the montage you just put together, brother. That was uh, elite next level work. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you.
And you can thank Aaron when we post this on social later by making sure you share this with as many people and as often as you possibly can. Because last night, folks, a nuclear bomb was dropped on COVID stand. And thanks to all the people at BuzzFeed for making it happen. I That's a... That's like the 14th time I've said this the last year or two. That's something I thought I'd never say, right? I mean, I went and looked at what they had trending just yesterday. Like one of the top trending articles at BuzzFeed yesterday was uh, Ariana Grande has lost her arm tattoos and fans are puzzled why. Right? This BuzzFeed has just become the Balaam, if you know your Old Testament. BuzzFeed has become the Balaam of this story. Okay. Um, but hey, let's not look to gift horse or donkey for that matter. Let's not look at gift horse or donkey in the mouth, right? Um, we now have unfettered access. Washington Post tried to get ahead of this so they could put their own kind of spin on it. And then BuzzFeed just put the whole thing out there for everybody to download just to get around the Washington Post filter. Um, Aaron mentioned some of these highlights. Sensitive discussions about gain-of-function research and has it tied to the origins of the virus? They were having those from the very beginning. Well, we were assured we weren't doing that kind of research anymore. You know, the kinds of things that Fauci has repeatedly and vehemently denied under oath to the United States Senate. Um, Admitting that masks don't work after all because it's an airborne spread contagion. Ignoring warnings specifically posed to him about the suspicious nature and origin of the virus, that he was indeed aware that the virus may have come from that lab. In essence, all the things that Fauci has contradicted over months of congressional testimony and public media appearances all confirmed in these emails. Anthony Fauci needs to be locked in a hole. And then we throw away the hole. That's what we do to people who commit crimes against humanity. Because that's what's happened here. He really is the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history after all. These FOIA'd emails show that to some extent... This has been a scamdemic all along. To some extent, it has been from the beginning. The most innocent explanation here, near as I can tell, is that given the potential of a synthetic origin of the virus and that it may operate, therefore, outside the natural laws of science and virology, they went ahead and imposed on us a bunch of mitigation efforts that all previous documentation every time, both real-time and studies, showed previously doesn't work. And they just did it to panic because they were unsure of the true origins and therefore nature and behavior of the virus. That's the most innocent explanation here. You know, that whole Fauci, we lied to you for your own good thing that he likes to say every now and then, likes to roll that one out every few months, right? Yeah. That's the most innocent explanation to this. That they just thought you and I were too stupid to understand the ramifications of the true origins of the virus. So they imposed this tyranny on us in a panic because they were unsure of how it would behave. That's the most innocent explanation. And it goes down further the rabbit hole 
or the hellhole from there. From the beginning of this tyrannical episode, some of us took a great risk pushing back on it. 15 months later, despite dishonest fact checkers and punishing, punishing social media censorship from places like Facebook and their uh, 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 the science team, we're now being proven right about everything. This, however, this didn't have to last this long. We could have ended this months ago, but we didn't because some major figures in conservative media, they decided to kiss Big Pharma and Big Tech's ass instead. They decided to put Scott Gottlieb Big Pharma Goebbels on their highly rated podcasts. They decided not to touch these matters because it might get dinged by Facebook and that's their monetization plan. I hope you feel good about that. The graduations and funerals and weddings you and your family didn't get last year. The bacteria regurgitator cloth mask face diapers your kids wore this year. I hope you feel good about that. That you spent years buying their books and making them rich so that now the moment when they were needed the most, they turned tail and ran. Or they went back into the silly partisan political soap opera, Circle Jerk. They did that instead. Meanwhile, we're undergoing the greatest threat since Pearl Harbor. A real existential threat to our way of life. While our freedoms burned, they punted. This is a reminder first to you as a consumer to migrate where solid food is served. This isn't a game. This isn't about owning the libs. This isn't about a damn talking point. We're playing for real stakes here. At least one person in this audience had someone that they loved die, probably, because they couldn't get to an AA meeting. They were closed. At least one person in this audience probably had to just sit there and suffer while their grandmother or grandfather died alone in a nursing home. And that's if they escaped the half dozen governors that were sending them to their death there. Somebody in this audience has their kid in counseling, which they may never recover from emotionally because of what they were put through in the last year. Someone in this audience, that actually just might be you right now. A family business, a family farm, something that's a legacy passed down, cherished for generations, gone, never to return. But we couldn't bother. There was some dumbass political soap opera to talk about instead. Or we might get dinged by our Facebook printing press. This is a reminder to my colleagues 
The stakes here are high. Much more is at stake here than your Facebook algorithm position or being taken seriously by the very people trying to end us. Or viewing yourself as the self-appointed gatekeeper. Well, you know, our own base has gone crazy. Someone needs to be the one that rises above all of this. We've got enough Karens and cul-de-sacs. We don't need them behind microphones. Thank you. We should have never bought into this on any level. I'm reminded of what Ron DeSantis said. What regrets did he have over the last year that I didn't follow the science sooner? You know what my regret is? My regret is that I didn't lean into this more aggressively sooner. That I had any doubt at all that something else could be going on here that I'm missing. And therefore, even in March, played it somewhat safe. That's my regret. My regret is I didn't do right away what Steve Dace always does. Nuke now, ask questions later. That's what I should have done. I should have done the show in March that I did in May and June. That's what I should have done. We should have refused benefit of the doubt. Didn't matter if Trump was in the White House or not. He's listening to these fiends. The same people who are wrong about everything else, who corrupt everything else, the same spirit of the age that ruins everything else was in charge of this too. Never again. Never again. Believe nothing you cannot independently verify. That includes coming from us. Believe nothing. Don't just be lazy and take Aaron's montage. I get it. You can't read 3,000 emails. I don't have time either. But maybe go click on the link yourself and read a few, maybe. Take self-government seriously for a change. Don't turn us into your new, uh, this is why we used to love to play the song, We Won't Get Fooled Again by the Who. Don't make us your new heroes. Your new, we'll just take your word for it. Don't take anybody's damn word for it. Do your own work. Take your citizenship seriously. Never again. Don't believe any of these people ever again. At best, they just suck. I, I can't really tell if Anthony Fauci is conflating the case fatality rate and the infection fatality rate because he does it both in the New England Journal of Medicine piece. Some of you have pointed this out to me because you're smart. Thank you. I didn't point it out to you because I'm not going to make it easy. I'm not your babysitter, man. And then he conflates it again. That's a big deal. Case fatality rate is just the confirmed positive tests. But an infection fatality rate assumes asymptomatic spread, of which there's a, there's, there's a lot. Conflate those things, you get completely different statistics. And he did it twice. And one of them was in print at the New England Journal of Medicine, and it made it through all of their editors, and no one asked. At the New England Journal of Medicine. No one asked. Hey, we had a fact check here. No, they didn't. They sicked the Facebook science team on people like me trying to help you. Instead, they banned some of you from your own pages with all your family photos. They did that instead. 
This is Germany 1930s level evil. It's a proto version of true totalitarianism. Never again. To my colleagues, there's more at stake here than the next book deal, the next ranking and pod bay, and, and, and coming up with your favorite hacks for the Facebook algorithm. There's a lot more at stake here. We damn near lost our way of life for good in several places in this country. They still don't have any of it back. And in much of the Western world, it's still fully COVID stan. Head north to Canada. The buildings are nicer. The people are whiter, but it might as well be Mogadishu. Never again. Never. And don't you dare let them have your children as lab rats. The same people that want to push these experimental substances into your children without FDA authorization. My friend Michael Ferris, who has led the way on parental rights over there at Alliance Defending Freedom, brother. If whether my kid has to be forcibly injected with an experimental substance to attend a damn school, if that ain't a parental right, then retire. Enough games. We don't have time for this. We damn near lost everything by a thread this last year. It's the game is afoot and it is serious. After that open, so took advantage of Bill Bar time. I don't know if I can talk about this yet because I wasn't even aware that this flavor was coming out. It just arrived at my house yesterday. Want to make sure I, I got the wrapper here. I want to make sure I get it right. Grasshopper cookie, dude. I mean, dude. This is right up there with. Chocolate chip cookie dough, um, the coconut uh, brownie chunk that you tried, right? Yeah, I saw it with my own eyes, America. I mean, he was raging after that last segment. He took a bite. It was just home. Yes, we we hit zen. Yes. yes. By the way, 150 calories for this protein bar. That is absolutely delicious. If you have never tried Built Bar before, be on the lookout. This must be a new flavor they're going to be launching soon. Um, but uh, every flavor is absolutely tremendous. They all fit into any healthy lifestyle that you're after, whether it is low fat, low sugar, uh, low carb. They fit into all of them, uh, low calorie, uh, and and they're healthy and they and they and they taste good. It's the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. It's the most nutritious, unofficial candy bar you've ever tried. And get 15% off right now when you use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E, at BuiltBar.com, promo code Dace, at BuiltBar, B-U-I-L-T, for BuiltBar.com. All right, one day early. Uh, We are having Theology Thursday now because our colleague Daniel Horowitz needs to join us tomorrow. And I got several questions, some pushback on social media uh, and a lot of it happened around the column I had for the Blaze last week, that it's it's time to mock the mockers, scorn the scorners, 
and shame the shamers. And uh, are we allowed to do that? Is that just your opinion? Um, you know, what happened to the whole love your neighbor as you love yourself thing? Aren't we supposed to be nicer than God, right? And we've, we've kind of discussed this topic several times over the years. Yes. But I realized over the long Memorial Day weekend that the one thing we've never really done with it, we, we've made references to what the, what the scriptures say about this topic, but we've never just flat out, let's just open the book and let it speak for itself, right? Right. Today we're going to do that. All right. Are we permitted to mock the mockers, rebuke the rebukers, scorn the scorners, and shame the shamers? Or do we always have to be nice? What does the Bible say? Let's begin here. This is in 1 Kings 18.27, and we're going to be using the ESV for all of these because it's a contemporary language word-for-word translation, okay? In the ESV, and at noon, Elijah mocked them, the prophets of Baal, or of a demon, uh, saying, cry aloud, for he is God, because he had not responded to them and their and their cries and their pleas and their antics. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself, meaning having a bowel movement. Or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Next, let's go to the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 44, verses 6 through 19. How foolish are those who manufacture idols. These prized objects are really worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this, so they are all put to shame. Who but a fool would make his own God an idol that cannot help him one bit? All who worship idols will be disgraced along with all these craftsmen, mere humans, who claim they can make a God. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. The blacksmith stands at his forge to make a sharp tool, pounding and shaping it with all his might. His work makes him hungry and and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the word carver measures a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane and carves into it a human figure. He gives it a human beauty and puts in it a little and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire. With it, he warms himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true. I love that. Like it's in, like God's like incredulous. What a bunch of idiots. Yes, it's true. He then takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down to the front and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, oh, that fire feels good. Then he takes what's left and makes his god a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping it and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my god. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect. Why, it's just a block of wood. I burned half of it for heat and used it to bake my bread and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, is this idol I'm holding in my hand a lie? That is God himself mocking idolatry while speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Let's stay with 
the prophet Isaiah. This is now chapter 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean, and are all and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment, translated from Hebrew, menstrual cloth. This is the prophet Isaiah comparing our humanistic efforts to, uh, to satisfy God's justified wrath to a tampon. Next, how about the prophet Ezekiel? Yet she, this is now God himself speaking through Ezekiel. Yet, yet she, meaning Israel, increased her whoring, remembering the days of her youth when she played the whore in the land of Egypt and lusted after her lovers there, whose members, meaning penises, were like those of donkeys and whose issue, meaning ejaculate, uh, was like that of horses. Thus you long for the lewdness of your youth when the Egyptians handled your bosoms and pressed your young breasts. That's a that's not even just a isolated verse. That is a, an entire chapter of essentially God in very explicit terms describing the spiritual adultery of his people through the prophet Ezekiel. How about Nehemiah? This is from chapter 13, verses 19 through 22. As soon as it began to grow dark, this is Nehemiah speaking, by the way. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the door should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in for work on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will will lay hands on you. That's Hebrew for beat your ass. Uh, from that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they, that's the priests, that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. So now he is physically threatened, physically threatened. So those who want to, um, uh, who want to desecrate the, the Sabbath. And he closes that by saying, quote, Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. That's Nehemiah describing the links he would go to to keep the commandment of the Sabbath. Here's Nehemiah again. In those days, I also saw the Jews who had married the women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, meaning pagans, and they, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair, meaning their fathers and husbands. And I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, you shall not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among many nations was there no king like him, and he was beloved by his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made made him even made even him to sin shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil and act treacherously against our god by marrying foreign foreign women and one of the sons of jehoiada i think that's how it's pronounced i was just told when you're not sure with those old ancient israelite names say them real fast and sound smart uh the and the, the son of Eliashib, the high priest the son-in-law of sanballat the horonite who is sanballat sanballat and Torah and tobiah show up trying to stop the jews from rebuilding the wall they're terrible. He's terrible, basically. Therefore, I chased him from me. Remember them, O oh, my Levites. 
or remember them, oh my God, because they had desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the, and the Levites. Thus I cleansed them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priest and Levites, each in his own work, and I provided the wood for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, oh my God, for good. The good I did for accosting and confronting those who committed uh, the, the, the sin of allowing this pagan influence within God's covenant community. Some of you may say, but that's the Old Testament. You know, until the New Testament, when God was just tiptoeing, you know, Jesus was just tiptoeing through the tulips of Galilee, dispensing life coaching advice. Reefer Jesus, basically. Exactly, yes. Hipster Jesus, yes. Let's go there next, shall we? Um, let them alone, for they are blind guides, and the blind leads the blind. Both will fall into the pit. Christ insulting the discernment of the religious leaders who reject the Messiah. That is in Matthew 15, 14. Here's Christ again. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. That's Jesus rebuking the hypocrisy of the religious leaders, essentially calling them the first century equivalent to a tool. That's Matthew 23, verses 27 and 28. Jesus again, you serpents, you broods of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Christ comparing the religious leaders who reject the prophets and the Messiah to a family of snakes. That's Matthew 23, 33. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, some that actually believed he might have been the Messiah, get away from here for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. And the third day I finish my course. This is Jesus comparing the civil ruler. Go pay the civil rulers, Steve. Go pay the civil rulers. Okay. Um, no matter what, Steve, do whatever they tell you to do. Okay. This is Jesus comparing his civil ruler, Herod Antipas, whose father was an Idumean, which means he was not actually a real Jew, even though he was put in charge of them. This is him comparing Herod Antipas to a cunning and unclean animal. That's what a fox was, according to the Levitical law. That's Luke 13, verses 31 and 32. But Saul who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him, that's the local sorcerer, and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and all villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable, unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon the sorcerer, and he went, for, he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Because some of you might claim, well, we only just do that within you know, the hypocrisy within the church. We just let the world do, do and say whatever it wants all the time. Really? Because Paul looked at that guy and said, you son of the devil. Um, that's what he said to a spiritual deceiver who was influencing the local population in Acts 13, verses 9 through 11. This is the apostle Paul again. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. This word rubbish, by the way, is translated from the Greek word literally for poop. That's the literal Greek word, poop. He says, your ways of the world are poop in comparison to Christ. 
And I counted all this poop so that I may gain Christ. That's Philippians 3, verses 5 through 6. One more. You were running well, you were running well, the Apostle Paul writes. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven ruins the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed, and I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate, that means castrate, themselves. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul challenging the church in Galatia not to follow so-called Judaizers that said even Gentile Christians had to be circumcised. He uh, and also uh, he's also calling the Judaizers to truly prove. When you've heard me say before, you know what? If you believe we need to kill people for population control, show us your level of commitment. Start with yourself. Where did I get that notion? Where did I thought that that was okay philosophically to assert? From this, where Paul says to the Judaizers, if y'all love circumcision so much, if you really think it's not circumcision of the heart, ultimately, that leads to new life in Christ, but removing a piece of foreskin from your penis. Man, if, if, that, if just removing one piece from your penis does that, remove the whole cotton-picking thing and then to see how especially holy you are at that point. That's Galatians 5, verses 7 through 12. I offer no other further commentary. Neither will anybody else here on the program. We will let these verses speak for themselves. Clearly, there is plenty of other language in the scriptures that does call us to speak with gentleness and respect, to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So then if you think there's a conflict there, the conflict is with you, that you are conflating you're conflating tone and language as motivation and purpose. They're not the same thing. When I yanked little Zoe from her hoodie in a Hy-Vee parking lot several years ago, before she got hit by a car and yelled at her, don't ever do that again. I can very much assure you the motivation and purpose for me taking such a stern tone with her at that moment was pure love. I've never spoiled a human being on this earth more than I have spoiled Zoe these last 16 years. I wanted to go on spoiling her. She almost did something dumb that was going to prevent me from perhaps ever getting to do that again. She needed to understand the seriousness and the gravity of that moment. My tone wasn't kind, but my motivation and purpose was very much love and now we'll just let these verses speak for themselves thank you for asking the question next hour buy seller hold are you ready to go you bet are we loaded for bear we got some good ones i think so all right hour two coming your way next right here on blaze tv radio and podcast and maybe we'll finally let todd and aaron talk stay tuned <laughs> Two live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre. 
Todd Erzin, and of course, we invite you to join us as well. Let us know what you think about what we think. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. You can also, that's D-E-A-C-E, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And then, of course, we post clips of the program each day at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you're a podcast listener, thank you. Uh, you're one of the largest segments of our audience we have, and we really appreciate you. We would ask, though, that you show further appreciation for us. If you haven't done these two things yet, they would really be helpful. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform. Leave us a five-star review if you like us, and thank you to all of you that have done those two things for us already. Coming up uh, in a moment, we'll get to buy, sell, or hold. First, though, want to remind you about Rough Greens because we've been talking about it for quite a while. It's the supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food so that the stuff that was uh, stripped bare of that food once it left the factory, all the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, you know, the, the stuff they've taken out of our food. That's why we're buying so many supplements these days to put it right back into our bodies again. The same things happen to your puppy's food probably as well. And that's where Rough Greens comes in. It's this powder of nutrients that you mix in with the food your dog already loves. But maybe you're thinking, hey, our dog is far more finicky than today's family dog who inhales this stuff because Cap does. Uh, you may not know whether your dog will like it or not. Fair? That's fair. So we're going to answer that objection for you. We're just going to give you the bag for free to start. The first bag on us you pay for the shipping, all right? The first 14-day Jumpstart bag will give you for free to see if your pet likes it and if see if you don't see a difference in your pet in 14 days or less when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F is how it's spelled. That's roughgreens.com, roughgreens.com, or call them at 833-833-ROUGHDOG, 833-ROUGHDOG. And again, first bag is on us. You just pay for the shipping. And that brings us to one of our favorite segments each week, Buy, Sell, or Hold. No topic is off limits. Uh, once per episode, we're permitted a hold, but if it's for any reason other than, um, other than, well, that's really lame, you will be the one responsible for administering Anthony Fauci his first upcoming prison shower. Uh, we will hopefully put uh, a, a good reason behind why we're buying or selling the rest of the non-lame propositions. Todd, there was a disgusting uh, no shake in your head when I said that was this week's penalty. You almost had me at prison, but uh, even I, I don't think. No, you're not. No. no, you're not holding the hose there. No, I probably should have come up with a better euphemism than that. Aaron, go ahead. We'll start with Honey X Pie, who says any FOIA request regarding the COVID vaccines will be as big as the Fauci emails. Bye. And, and the only reason, here's the only reason I hesitated. I think it has a potential to actually be bigger. Because, you know what? Read to me again exactly how that one is worded. Any FOIA request regarding the COVID vaccines will be as big as the Fauci emails. I think I'm going to sell on the grounds that I think it can only be bigger because in this case, we're dealing with global corporations, meaning we would be bringing in communications from all over the world. Who knows what internal dialogues were happening at these companies with these other countries. So um, I love the spirit of this. I think it's a good one to lead off with. 
I'm just going to sell though because I think this actually would have the potential to be even bigger. We questions like how far in advance was this plotted out? Why were they so ready to go with this narrative right away? Why was there such a quick turnaround time to developing these right away? Um, I, I think it has the potential to actually be bigger. Uh, I'll buy. You had me at FOIA about vaccines. So what, but uh, listen, the, the, propriety, pr the so-called proprietary information, because these are uh, private companies, you, you think you saw some redactions in the Fauci emails? Good grief. You're going to be watching a lot of black boxes coming out of those emails. So nonetheless, do it now. Yesterday. Absolutely. Bye. We'll go on to Simha, who says the Securities and Exchange Commission will ban crypto exchanges for fiat currency, thereby making crypto worthless. Hold. <laughs> okay, so then we got something like this last yes. week, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And I have the same answer. I don't know how to answer this because I don't know. I don't know the jurisdictional aspect of this market because my understanding of it ideologically. And so if I'm wrong, by all means, somebody, you know venture into my inbox and educate me. But my understanding is this, that on an ideological level, this market was specifically created to get around these sorts of regulatory practices, uh, to get around these regulatory entities. That, that, that there, it's not, you're not just- But what makes it valuable is the ability to exchange it for real, for, for fiat currency. Okay, and so therefore you, you ultimately you take, cannot cash it in. Yeah. And since there aren't enough- outlets and retailers that accept it as renumer as numer as remuneration therefore it's just a paper value that is ultimately that's what i've always wondered not about this. valuable what's, what's what's keeping the sec or any federal bureaucracy from saying nope you can't do that anymore and making crypto just basically right because irrelevant. i can i can i go can i pay can i go to a movie theater can i take my wife out to dinner and pay with bitcoin no. like anywhere no so okay I could then I'll buy that. I, I like this one that I guess is more is more narrowly focused than the mm -hmm. one we had last week, which, which which was more general. This would be the way that they would attempt to try to um, uh, to to step on the neck of any attempt you make to exempt yourself from um, uh, from their uh, tomfoolery and tyranny. So I'll buy. Okay. I'll I buy based on Aaron's explanation. I'll buy. And I'm no no expert. We still need to get Jordan Schachtel on for an overtime yes. or something. Uh, let's see. We'll go to Bob, who says the top five Disney park rides. Uh, number five, and this is in order. Number five, Avatar Flight of Passage. Have you been on this one? This one I could not get to when we went to Disney World last year. All right. But, I mean, all the reviews are great, so I'm fine with buying it, you know. It's an animal kingdom. Yeah, it's an yeah, animal kingdom. Think, and we no, just my, did, my nephew loved that. He was they didn't there. have the park hopper back yet. Everything mm -hmm. else was back to normal last fall, but the park hopper. And we just, there was like nothing else our kids wanted to do in Animal Kingdom other than that. And so we just couldn't justify a day away from another park just for that ride. So I couldn't get to it. No opinion, Todd. I haven't been on it either. Number four, Splash Mountain. Bye. Um, I, I just, I think in general, those kinds of rides are overrated. So I'm going to sell. Uh, it seems I enjoyed it, but it seems high. I, I, I it would not be in my top five. Number three, Space Mountain sell. This is too low. It needs I, to be higher. I think that would be grounds to sell it. I, it. It certainly is a top three ride. I'm fine if it's your number one. It wouldn't be my number one, but it might be my number two, but I'm fine with it at number three. 
for how old it is, and I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. It's like 50 years old. Yeah. I, I was there. I was there the first year I started working for you, Steve. So we're going on six years ago. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know it was just totally in the dark. That, yeah. I mean, it blew my mind that it was that cool. Yeah. I expected more of a, I mean, you, you know, you go into small world. I, Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing for the time and what they did. Yeah. But I felt the, like it does I feel dated. But I yeah. but it blew me away. Space Mountain absolutely holds up. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just wrote it last fall. It absolutely holds up. You bet. Number two, Tower of Terror. I think this is a good place for it. Yeah, I'm fine with it being in the top five. Um, I never got a chance to ride it before because uh, the last time we were there, our kids were all too small and therefore all too scared to ride it. This time we rode it uh, and loved it. Um, I would not put it ahead of Space Mountain, though. But I'm okay with it being on the list, so I'll buy. Is that in, it, it, it's actually a ride. Yes, and 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 it's even a drop, the, it's the, a drop ride. Yeah, but but there's a lot more to it than that. And even the wait areas around the mm-hmm. hotel and stuff are a hoot. But okay? it's it's completely randomized, so you never yes. get the same ride twice. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Doesn't seem like my cup of tea, but I haven't done it. Uh, number well, it's also a dark ride too. Todd. So it's a dark drop ride. So I don't know. You might like that if you like Space Mountain. Number one, uh, Rise of the Resistance. This is one I did not get to do. Rise of the Resistance is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, is it the number one? I'm, I'm fine with it being number yeah. one. I am. Now, it wouldn't be my number one based on nostalgia would be the Haunted Mansion. I mean, I, I just rode that so many times with my grandmother as a kid. Um, and I've got one of my all-time favorite dad memories with my own kids. Uh, the first time we went to Disney and Noah was only three and we're getting ready to get on the ride and he jumps up into my arms. No, daddy. No, no, daddy. No. All right. Like, do not put me on this thing. So Haunted Mansion, I, I think, absolutely belongs in the top five. All right. It's a it's a it's a staple. And it still holds up, too, by the way, when you ride it now. Yep. Um, but it would be my number one, but I'm totally fine if Rise of the Resistance is your number one because that ride is, it's its an insane experience. Yes. I mean, and from the time you get in there, everybody's in character. Everybody is. Um, it's just phenomenal. Yeah. What's, uh, is it Everest? What it's called in that's Animal- in Disneyland. Yes, you're talking about the roller oh, coaster. Yeah, that, that's also at Animal Kingdom. Oh, it's, yeah. Oh, I wrote Coach that. The, I See, wrote I that when it first came out. That's a good roller coaster. It's a very good yeah. roller coaster. Good when one. you go yeah. backwards, that's outstanding. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I wasn't. Where Where do you put the um, the Millennium Falcon ride? What's that? With the other one at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, where you Smugglers pilot the Millennium run. Smugglers Run. I mean, we love that. Getting to pilot the Millennium Falcon with my son. I mean, that's an all time daddy memory and moment. That was. That was pretty cool, too, you know? So I'd say on my list, it's probably number five or number four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. AU Tiger 89 says, Steve will get an invitation from CPAC, but only to sing 99 Luft Balloons in the original German. <laughs> nice. Someone, dude, I don't know who this guy is. But you listen to this show way too much, man. You mixed about seven <laughs> yeah. references and metaphors in one uh, proposition, and I'm very impressed about that, so I'm going to buy. Yes. Sure. Bradley Schick says, they thought, co- they meaning the experts, I assume, thought COVID was going to be 10 times worse because China was trying to create it to be 10 times worse. 
I think everything's on the table. I would hold on that one so far. I'm going to hold on that. I think everything is on the table now. And I mean everything. I think everything is on the table. Bioweapon, everything. I I agree. Uh, I I think the odds of it being a 10 times worse doomsday bioweapon are just simply a lot lower than the fact that Fauci was involved on something on some level and then it, the cover-up was worse th- the cover-up very may very well be worse than the crime and that and he's simply guilty of wanting to cover his tracks yeah and ultimately that covering the tracks then it ended up being like a he's like i can't believe how easy this is going to be not only am i covering my tracks i'm going to be a movie star on top of it i just think that's more likely but steve is right that option should be on the table. I, I am still struck and fascinated by the fact that the pathology of this, listen, you know, guys, every, just about everything impacts the elderly and the infirmed more than everybody else, yes. right? That's just the, the nature of the ebbs and flows of a life cycle, okay? Mm-hmm. But the pathology of this virus compared to other respiratory viruses within, oh, its, yes. it, within its, you know, vort, uh, behavioral family, the way that it just, the line of demarcation, man, yeah, of how this thing just uniquely. That's not a doomsday virus. Just uniquely destroys the elderly. Just uniquely. I, 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 and, and yet, it, and it came from a country that already at the beginning stages of life was determining who, you know, for each according to his abilities, to each according to his needs, or for each according to his needs. Were, they were already making that Marxist calculus mm-hmm. at the end of life, at the beginning of life, is it really so far fetched to wonder if they were trying to design something and devise something that would make that calculation easy for them at the end of life as well? Right. I mean, these people aren't oh. out there working in the fields or the factories anymore, right? But just wait. You think your minds are blown now? Just wait. Now, remember, we think there might be more deaths because we believe COVID was around a lot yes. longer than they say it was and whether or not we have an ability to ultimately count those th- that's a one story but if you just take their storyline and it was just here just wait till you find out how many people actually died from covid instead of with covid just wait till that comes out mm-hmm. because boy howdy folks we did all this for that i really think now i'm not i'm not urging all of you by the way to like risk every platform that you have all your family photos and everything on by throwing this, vomiting it all out right now in, in plain English, but intellectually, internally here, all right, in the, in the head, uh, I would urge you to put every option on the table of ultimately what's going on here, every option. We'll go next to Adam for something completely different. The launch angle swing approach to hitting is the major problem Major League Baseball has with hitters not hitting because it limits the time the bat is in the hitting zone, therefore limiting contact. It is very much... This is where all of Moneyball, it it went in a important direction, and now this is is swung totally the other way. It's too smart by half. It's, uh, yeah, yes, chicks do dig the long ball, but turning baseball into the long launch angle Olympics, which increasingly you see, I'm, I'm in week two of umpiring high school baseball. There's all kinds of guys my size 
who are swinging launch angle baseball. It's stupid. It's heinous. It's unproductive. Uh, the beauty of real baseball, it, it, but you see more of it still at the high school, uh, the high school uh, level. Yeah, it uh, too smart by half. That phrase was designed for this launch angle nonsense that is going on. So before I answer, I want to defer to you because this is, you know, I, I played baseball growing up all my life, love the game, but your fandom is at a different level and you are personally connected to it through umpiring in, in ways that I am not. How much of this is that it's culturally acceptable to strike out now? That it, remember when guys like Rob Deere, mm-hmm. um, who was the great uh, slugger for the uh, the Cubs and the Dave Kingman. Dave Kingman. All right, well, Mickey Tettleton. I remember one year, Mickey Tettleton nearly hit 300 or 30 home runs for my Tigers, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure he hit the Mendoza line in mm-hmm. average. All right? They were, these were people that used to get mocked and stuff and ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Okay? If Dave Kingman put up the exact same numbers in this era, would he maybe even be a Hall of Famer? Sure. I mean, there, there is no stigma anymore around striking out. That it's, that it's, it's totally, seemingly, it, 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 it's okay now, like in basketball. The mid-range, everything, if you watch the NBA, everything's usually a dunk or a three-point shot. But there's really no point to taking some 18-foot jump shot because you only get two points for a shot with a lot more difficulty. And so how much of it is the analytical culture has said, really, the, the best, easiest way to score is via the home run, all right? So therefore, strikeouts are destigmatized. It's okay if you strike out 200 plus times a year now. No one cares. You are asking a way more profound and pregnant question than I think even you know, which is saying something. You are asking the fundamental question of all sports and all fandom. Every Why are we doing this, Steve? Mm-hmm. Why do we play the games as adults? Why do we raise kids playing games? Why? What is the purpose fundamentally and because we have lost so many of those fundamentals which shouldn't surprise us because we've lost the fundamentals of our country we've lost the fundamentals of our kids opting out of college uh, uh, their senior years with their friends now to save themselves for college oh another great example the the, the ones who won't play in the bowl game with their buddies that they bled and sweat and and then i that's right in this question as well it all drives me instant replay the purpose of that it's all in this hopper we shouldn't be surprised that we're confused about sports when we don't know what the fundamentals of our country or our church is anymore. But you asked an incredibly important question. Why are we doing this? So I'm going to I'm going to sell because I think we should consider the cultural destigmatization of striking out. Remember what Little League was like when we were kids, man. I mean, you'd go you'd, you'd go back to the dugout crying if you struck out because you just got ridiculed, mocked. Right. It was it was considered an expression of dominance by a pitcher. I rem- and this is, wasn't even that much different even a few years ago. I mean, you know, my Tigers have not been in the postseason. I think 2014 was kind of the mm-hmm. end of their postseason run. And so, I mean, we used to keep the stat of how many times Justin Verlander would make a guy swing and miss. And he like led the majors in that, you know, several times. Do we even hear talk like that anymore? And that was just the early 2010s. It, it's like no. it doesn't matter how many times you strike out anymore. Yeah, so given, I think we have to... Uh, Meaning that the did the is it the chicken or the egg? Did the launch window predate the cause a reverse engineering of 
destigmatizing striking out or the fact that it's not a big issue to strike out anymore make other players then say, well, then I guess I'm going to deploy the launch window swing. Remember when guys didn't want to do the home run derby because it would ruin their swing the rest of the year with the, with, with the kind of the launch window kind of stuff we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So now we just do home run derby every uh, every game now. This speaks to uh, basketball, pro basketball. The um, what what's the term they use for why they sit out all the time? There's oh, a f- uh, load management. Load management. Yes. Do you think if you proposed load management to Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, what would they do? They'd punch you in the face. Yes, yes they would. I'm yes, a man. No, this is my job. I yeah. love it. I'm going to work. What did Barkley say about Anthony Davis last night? He called him uh, street Anthony clothes. Street Clothes Davis. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that. And but the rest they, yes. of the panel on TNT yes. was like, are we okay to laugh at that? You know? He's like, can't win any championships. And the, the best player he got is sitting in street clothes all the time. I deferred right? to Every time Chuck. I see Anthony Davis, he's wearing street clothes. Yep. Every time I see him. There know? it is. I didn't know I, that. I was listening to my favorite college football podcast at the gym this morning. And I'm getting caught up on episodes. And uh, the, the episode they had just done is when this running back, high school running back in Texas, had just decided he was going to sit out his senior year in high school to prepare for college. So do all this with his buddies all these years, get to the senior year, man, and your BMOC and everything else. Now nah, I'm just going to, I'm going to train for college next year. All right. And it was fascinating. And so this show, there's former Florida state star quarterback, Danny Cannell, who played several years in the NFL. And then the other three guys are all media people. Now, this if you it's called the Cover Three podcast. It's great, by the way. It's a great listen. But it was fascinating when this topic came up. You got the sense that the three media guys all wanted to give the media narrative of go for yours and everything else. The problem is there's a six foot four, two hundred and thirty pound former NFL quarterback on the panel who they they realized we probably better let him talk first because we we kind of start giving the. Spirit of the age. They practiced a little self-awareness. There was like, the host was like a pause, like, okay, Danny. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got something to say about this. And dude just rolled, right? And you could tell everybody's co- comments from that time forward, given his first-person experience with this and the the, the what, what sports teaches you beyond just a paycheck and a diploma. Um, it was It was fascinating hearing his perspective having been on a team. From the media perspective, well, these guys are all underprivileged victims and they got to do what they can do for their families and put themselves first. And uh, as opposed to a guy that's actually been involved in the culture of sports and why we love them and and why we started playing them to begin with. This is a contagion. It's at every level. My oldest daughter, who's now 17, but as long as I've been on this show, she's been a bit of a a wonder kid in running, but she's also a D1 recruit in soccer. The number of people in the running community – who they, they never say it to me, but to her coach in running, say, when is she going to quit soccer? Mm. Because of this notion of, well, what happens if she gets hurt, rolled yeah. up on? And then, it, 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 do you know if she, so you want to become a running specialist at the age of 13 while gutting her of the very sport that brought her to this point that mm-hmm. she loves, she, the camaraderie, all that stuff. All these adults in the room. And so who are the adults in the room around this high school right. football player? This is the answer is us, and right now your answers as an us suck. You know, it's the timing of this announcement while we're having this conversation. Have you guys seen this breaking news? Mm-mm. Mike Shashevsky has just oh, announced yeah. this is going to be his last season as Duke basketball coach. And you go back, yes, and th- and look at how many teams he had with tryhard guys. There'd be like one star player. There'd be 
one Danny Ferry, one Christian Leitner, but then there'd be a bunch of other guys that were either marginal NBA prospects or weren't NBA prospects sure. at all. How many times he went to Final Fours, won conference titles, won a few national championships, and then he made the decision that he had to kind of evolve and get into the one and done, and he had a, he won a national title early on doing that. But what's happened the last few years? Early, they lost one year to Mercer in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Last year, they had a kid quit on him. Their best player quit on him in the middle of the season. Once they were out of the running for the ACC, it just decided, you know, poor went out and left his teammates in the lurch. Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, Ala Abdul Nabi, Greg Kubek. Remember these names? Of course. These guys would have cut you. Yes. They'd have never done that, man. Oh no. And they they would they were they, Cherokee Parks. They were dirty. They were snotty. They talk smack. Um, they would they'd elbow you. I mean they 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 look like choir boys, but man, they were oh, anything but. And to just the difference in watching his career arc now. He's the one that came from Army and from Bob Knight and instilled that culture into Duke, right? And now you look and and, and here's the great Mike Shashevsky brought to his knees because an 18-year-old's handlers decided this last season that you know he should probably just you know call it quits and get ready for the NBA draft. That's that's kind disgusting. of what you're talking about. Just disgusting. Yeah. Moving on, Benjamin Siebel says the cyber attacks on the pipeline and now a meatpacker were done to try to push the Green New Deal. I'm so gotten, it's an inside job. I've gotten a lot of these uh, requ- or, uh, submissions this week uh, along these lines. Say it again. The, the so the cyber attack. So, the, so you remember the cyber attack on the the pipeline. Yeah. Uh, and now there's a meatpacker, one of the largest, if not the largest, meatpacker in the world. Um, uh, they are suffering a, a ransomware attack now as well. They were done to try to push the Green New Deal. Yeah, in indirectly, yeah, by. I mean, these, so, it, but this, this is, is a, this is this is an allegation. These are directly inside jobs, and that Russia's a, the Russia blame or the foreign hacker blame is a false flag, right? That's what this could is. Be. This is an yeah, allegation. Mm-hmm. The allegation is it's an inside job, and this is all a false. I don't. I I think we we might get into the. We have to be careful you don't start just giving people more credit than they deserve at the exact same time, okay? So I'm going to sell on those grounds, but I'm, I will say this. I am more open to things of this nature sure. than I would have been and we 16, or, 16 or 17 months ago. And we dig that about you. Okay. Calvin McRae with the submission I love. Mount Rushmore of under-the-radar bands that are good to turn on at random and just start to jam out to for no real reason. Hmm. Says Doobie Brothers. Oh, absolutely. You bet. Yep. I mean, one of the great opening guitar riffs of all time is China Grove. Okay. So absolutely. And that song was, that, that was, that song was a blast to play on Guitar Hero back when I used to do that. So I, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I'm okay. To make it interesting, I'll sell. I've, yeah, I mean, I'm not hating. It's underrated. I'm you not hating. I'm not asking you to declare them. You know, yesterday was the anniversary of the release of Sgt. Peppers. We're not asking you to say they're the, the Beatles. It's underrated. Okay. I know, but I want a little bit more. Okay. Uh, Deep Purple. So. Yeah. To me, I know they had other hits, but we're really talking about one song, right? Smoke on the Water. Pretty much. That's pretty much it. So I'm going to sell. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yeah, that's a total buy. That's a total buy. And Alabama. Absolute buy. I think that's the greatest country band of all time. I don't know how underrated they are. I mean, from a pop music standpoint, they are because they're in a niche. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they're in a niche demo within pop music, but I mean, they're one of the greatest selling country acts of all time. They're the greatest selling country band of all time. Yeah. 
country music has become my people. Absolutely. Uh, Trent Johnson says hockey is a more masculine sport than football. Didn't you and I get in? Yeah, we got in an argument one time about rugby and football. Did we? Did we? Yeah, I okay. won that argument. Okay. Uh, Might be the only argument I've I ever won <laughs> against you. But. I'm sure there have been others. I just haven't admitted. Um, My perception is that this is true in that the average pound for pound hockey player i could be wrong i don't watch hockey i i I think it's a fantastic sport i just i just don't watch it but that you have a lot more dudes playing through and through playing hockey as steve has said there's yes these guys can hit they can run uh, in hockey in in football but there's a lot of boys who can shave in that sport so i will go with a buy but not a religious zealotry buy i love both sports i've covered them both professionally i will buy i would not have done it a few years ago i would have said it's it's really hard to compare but the reason i'm doing it this time is there's not nearly the snowflake factor within hockey circles that exists in football okay um and and where um i you know i don't know anybody who's riding cops or pigs on their on their skates for example so for that reason i'm going to buy we'll come back we've got more right oh yeah oh yeah much more buy seller hold here next it could be that achy back those sore knees that shoulder that constantly needs a good rubbing, whichever is that pesky little area of chronic pain for you, chances are the underlying cause is inflammation. For me, it's that left hip flexor. That's why you need something beyond those topical rubs that just help you get through the pain a day, but don't actually attack the inflammation. You need a product like Omega XL, the product that I use. It's an all-natural anti-inflammatory that neutralizes the inflammation that is causing your pain. And if you want to give it a shot right now, we're offering you buy one, get one free. Buy a bottle, get a second bottle for free right now when you visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Again, that's OmegaXL.com slash Steve or give them a call. 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, part two of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Big Poppy says in the next three years, maybe less, the American church on whole will dwindle to around 5% or less of pre-COVID numbers or attendance. He says COVID stand has been a culling. I, I agree it's been a culling, but I don't believe it'll be that dramatic because you need to, you need to factor in the uh, spirit of the age social clubs that uh, it attract not nearly the crowds, frankly, that um, the churches that tend to be the more faithful ones do if you look at numbers. But they, they're, they're, there's plenty more of those at the exact same time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't think we have some of those numbers. I have to go back and look in our book. We have some of the numbers of what those trend lines have been, how they have gone down. But I think that is too dramatic. So I will sell. It's too dramatic that fast. But we're on a trajectory to something like that, certainly within our children's lifetimes, unless the awakening happens. Agreed. But I also think we need to factor in, too, though, what an event like the last year and a half does to wake up people that were previously asleep at the exact same time. You know what I'm saying? That's another factor, right? 
I'd like, like to. I just Na- Naomi Wolf is my Naomi Wolf is my new pen pal. She tweets Psalms, guys, and she's talking <laughs> about buying a gun. Okay, so events like this wake people up at the exact same yeah. time. I mean, Bill Maher is now going Ice Cube from America's Most Wanted when he was going off on all the Afrocentric phase in the early '90s and saying, "Man, all you guys that talk about going back to Africa, if we stuck you over there for an hour, you'd be begging to come back." That's one of the lyrics in his song. It's just uh, has a lot dirtier words than that. Uh, that's that's kind of what Bill Maher did last week. You know, all you lefties talking about the Palestinians, we put you in Gaza for a day, you'd be begging, you'd crawl to you'd crawl over broken glass to get to Tel Aviv, right? Yeah. I, I think there that you there is a there's a reverb on an event like this that it awakens some other people who were previously asleep at the exact same time. That I think that needs to get factored into the calculus too. Yep. But I agree that there's a culling happening. I agree with that. Yeah. Aaron Rowley says Broadway in Nashville is better than Broadway in New York City. I don't think Broadway in New York City has Jack's Barbecue, so I would buy that one. <laughs> oh. uh, I love both of these cities. Well, I loved both of these cities. I mean, New York right now. Speaking of the aforementioned Naomi Wolf, did you guys see her tweets like two weeks ago? She was tweeting out her experience of being in New York City, what it was like no, in real time. No, I did not. And she was just like, this is just guys. I'm. It's like I'm visiting an East German hamlet, okay? Um, or, or some communist bloc yeah. country where, where once great um, cities of culture like Munich are now in Warsaw are now completely in the uh, the grip of the uh, of the Iron Curtain, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I will buy because right now Nashville uh, is in a different um, a, a different cosmic area code than New York City is. There's been sociological studies for quite some time about how unnatural city living fundamental big city living fundamentally is and whether or not now are we the costs of that what it does to you psychologically Mm -hmm. you know in, in some respects it's the human version of a zoo and if you're conditioned in a certain way uh, what are you capable of dealing with outside of your routine? How nimble are you as a human being when it comes to confronting, uh, you know, like a wild animal would? Uh, you know, do, do you have any wits left? And I think we're finding out they don't. When I say I loved New York City, I loved visiting it. Um, anything, any place you would want to go, there's 15 versions of sure. it, all within walking distance or a short cab ride. I could not imagine living there unless I was very wealthy and I and I could afford a driver to everything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, other than that, the amount of commuting and the time you spend on trains or in traffic goes to what you're kind of talking yeah. about. You know, I, and I, so I, I don't know how any kind of middle-class living, you know, places like Brooklyn have been refitted and are much nicer than they were 20, 30 years ago. You know, Long Island, of course, is kind of known for that, but- I don't know how any beyond those couple of places. I, I don't know how you could live like middle class or even upper middle upper middle class. It would seem to be that everything is either poor, working class, or very wealthy. Up next, Fu Paladin says it's a dude code violation for a man to say we're pregnant. Yes, it's a lot more than that, brother. You know what I'm saying, G. I told Todd okay. today that I told you all that my wife and I are expecting, which you can say we are expecting. She's pregnant. If I ever say that, 
even if it slips out. Okay, you know beat what? My, I've, I've got to own, I've got to own up to something, man. Given the uh, legion status of trannyism, I didn't even think at that angle. I thought we were going right to the gender dysphoria card. I just went right there. I didn't even go to the. It's just a traditional marriage, and does the guy say we're pregnant? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what does that say about where my where my mind is at? Right, I just went right to DefCon one. I skipped all the other four stages. So let me let me reiterate my my original answer. It is a dude code violation, and in this example, though, it is only that. <laughs> all right, I overreacted. So my apologies. Up next, Corey Tacker says Fauci's book will generate a year's worth of content for fake news or not. And Steve will put a copy beside his Joel Osteen game. That's a question if the book even comes out at this point. Yeah. You think so? Did we say that on the air that uh, Barnes & Noble? No, that was off the air. Barnes & Noble and Amazon have already scrubbed the book. Have they? I think it's a question if it even comes out now. Yeah. When's the release date? Do you guys remember when they... It was later this fall, I think. Yeah. First of all, I predicted at the beginning of the year. I didn't think it would last the year. And I said last week on the show that it's clear that we're being primed for him to be the fall guy to this, to be the the retcon for all your blue state Gretchen Whitmer, Gavin Newsom, like governors, Phil Murphy, all these people. Don't blame me or even a few red state ones like Charlie Baker in Massachusetts, who's, I guess, a Republican, I guess. Mike DeWine, you have something, Aaron? Speaking of, Andy says, Fauci email dump on Tuesday ensures media coverage all week. He's being thrown under the bus. Do it on Friday before Memorial Day, and it's much quieter, if not buried. Yeah. I'm more inclined to think he may he ain't going to make it to the fall, let alone the end of the year. So I'm going to sell. I'm, I, I'm not. If I was Anthony, first of all, he's 80 anyway. So you're not buying green bananas at that age mm-hmm. anyway. But if I were Fauci, I, I would not, you know... Because when you go to prison, they don't like let you profit off of your works and stuff there. They used to let you get away with that. And then John Wayne Gacy started selling like watercolor paintings in prison and making money off it. And so they like stopped you prisoners from like making money off their stuff. He needs to be considering if I were Anthony Fauci, I'd be getting my affairs in order, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Does Columbia extradite? <laughs> nice. They nice. used to they used to not extradite. They still might not. Yeah, I don't know. That might be an option for them. Costa Rica? Yeah. What? Oh, you already answered that. I oh, already you answered, did. Yes. Okay, my yes. bad. Yeah, he did. Uh, JD Shack 26 says, just as people were enamored with eugenics at its advent, the transgender issue will collapse under the weight of its pseudoscientific fallacies. Um, I think well, for that, to, you want to answer first? Go ahead. I, I, it's already collapsed in in that way there's no no there there but correct spir- spirits of the eight people see rely on this too much they they just this is the haha mock laugh on social media it's going to collapse and we'll return to normal no we won't we've thought that for way too long there it 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 collapsed a long time ago quite frankly it wasn't hard to for that to happen but the spirit of the age relies on our pass passivity to just go to the next thing i had my fun with you there now i'm going on to the next thing it's coming folks something that makes that look remotely tangible because the devil understands right now that we are his plaything 
Look at what we just bought with COVID. It is way too easy to say it's all just going to, even right now with Fauci and all of that. Look at how much damage has been done. Look at what Steve said earlier on the show. Look at how reticent we are to be we the people. So whatever you think collapse is, it doesn't mean a return to normal and victory for us. We have so much work to do to take our country back. I agree with you. Um, what what collapsed eugenics was, 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 was not um, that uh, some more righteous or philosophically more precise argument was presented that cornered it in the arena of ideas and drove it from the marketplace of ideas. That's not what happened. What happened was the brand that became most associated with it, which was a swastika, was annihilated, was confronted and annihilated. This is an important point. And therefore, vis-a-vis by extension, if you were therefore associated with eugenics from that time forward, you were ultimately harking back to that legacy that the, the enlightened, civilized world stood up and erased from the planet, right? That is going to be required here. Todd is correct. You've already won all. This is all a fallacy. You've already won all the philosophical arguments. You will not present another one that people will then say, you know, the previous 10,000 times, I really wasn't sure if I was an Indian or Audi. I'm now completely confident because you put the words in the precisely right order that now made me realize boys are boys and girls are girls. No. The same way that that eugenics was removed from the mainstream is the same way this will have to be. Those who peddle it, those most associated with perpetuating it, must be crushed. Pain. Yes. Crushed. They must be crushed. And so you hear nothing other than um, their wailing and the lamentations of their women. And therefore, ever, no one else will come forward and say, Openly, I want a piece of that. I want to resurrect that. I want to. I want to be known as that. That is what it will require. I think we make a mistake when we conflate the consequences of repeated violations of natural law at a personal or even a um, interpersonal yes. level in a local way. If you vi- violate the natural law, if you lie, 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 cheat, 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 eventually your sin will find you out, and you will collapse. Hopefully and be pointed towards your savior. When you're talking about issues of existential import, what does it mean to be a human? What is a human? What is a man? What is a woman? When these issues of existential import enter the cultural mainstream, there's two ways There's two ways that it goes away. Like a virus, either you excise and you get rid of that virus, and it's no longer a thing, and you continue to live on, or the virus brings you down corporately as well. Yes. That's, I think, what you're talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, part of the natural law, too, is an expectation. The idea that the, the, the word of God is a double-edged sword. What does that mean? It hits the inflictee and the inflictor equally. That And so, since the natural law is his ethical code that he embedded into the, into the creation, it, it happens the same way. That's why I tell you all the time, we have as much tyranny as we are willing to tolerate. That on, a, on the existential collective level that Aaron is talking about, if good men do nothing, if nothing's ever confronted, like you can pull your, this is what you're talking about with the schools. 
You can pull your kid out of the schools, and I don't know where you stand, but I would recommend in almost every case, unless you unless you are committed to a level of snottiness and stalking that Todd Erzin commits upon the poor, unsuspecting school board in Carlisle, Iowa, unless you can commit to that, all right, all right, okay, <laughs> unless you can t- make them go into the Hunger Games, you have that level of commitment, We, w- I would urge you to pull your kids out. However, that still doesn't remedy the situation that the kids are still in there are one day running for office, one day marrying your daughters, one day marrying your sons, one day making the make voting. We still have a systemic problem there, meaning on an individual level to what Aaron, you just pointed out, I can absolve my children from the natural law conflicts of them being indoctrinated by pagan spirit of the age inculcation in the schools. Correct. I can do that. Yes. And I should do that either by my leaning on them persistently like Erzin does or just strategically evacuating. That's what we did. But on a holistic level, that is that system still there? Is it still there? Yeah. Yeah. It's still there. And it's powerful. And it's powerful. On a holistic level, it must be confronted. Ultimately, it must be confronted. You can run and live a long life in the Shire, probably preferable to most of Middle Earth. But eventually, if you want the Eye of Sauron to go away, you must confront him at the Black Gate. You must do so. It will not just go away via osmosis on its own. You will have to make it go away. Now, if you do want to engage one of those strategic retreats we just talked about, chances are we can probably find you a real estate agent you can trust just about anywhere you want to escape to or from in the country where the name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com and we'll even throw in one with a proven and fully vetted track record of success too while we're at it. Chances are... You might even run into somebody who's a viewer of Blaze TV, a, a, a listener to Blaze Radio, just like you, because that's what where this originally started, a grassroots connection of agents in the audience connecting with people, customers in the audience, tired of real estate agents who talked a good game and then didn't deliver when they, when they were needed the most. And then it just kind of mushroomed and it, grew, and it grew from there. If you want to see... If we can find you an agent that will come in, take charge of the situation for you, but then remember that you're the one that's in charge, head to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Any final thoughts before we get out of here today? Well, uh, this show was almost providential uh, in its uh, alignment in terms of Daniel not being here because of how you combined the news of the day in the first half hour with the scriptural uh, teaching in the, the second Perfect. I think God's hand has been on this show and has been for the last year. And thank God for that because wow. it was a rough one. That'll do it. Overtime for some Blaze TV subscribers for the rest of you. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.